Welcome back to The Rewind. I'm Josh, and this is a podcast where I watch a bunch of movies and talk about them with my friends. Today's episode is about Air. Joining me today, he just bought some colorful new jogging pants. It's our Ben Affleck basketball movie correspondent, Joey Magidson of AwardsRadar.com. Joey, thanks for being here. Courting a legend, are we? <laughs> they they shake the title, right? Isn't it Courting Greatness or something now? Uh, yeah, cor- courting, no, courting a Legend. You had it right the first time. You know, I think I've seen both now. I think they're just like... They keep putting different subtitles on like oh. people went to see the movie. You're OK. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, yeah, it did, did well. Happy about that. And uh, yeah, we're we, we were we're very, very happy to have uh, Joey, Joey here as well. He's he's as far as I'm concerned, he's a legend when it comes to appreciating Ben Affleck movies. So there. he was the bomb in Phantoms. <laughs> there we go. So I told, I told a Ben Affleck story today to Chris Messina, who knows oh. him. He's worked with him. There you was, go, and we're well, and we're going to talk about him a little bit because I think he's uh, freaking hilarious in this movie. Oh, he is. But I was I was telling him about um, he was saying something about actors, you know, working with people more than once and then getting recommended by. And I said uh, it reminded me of Kevin Smith showing Ben Affleck Red State, and then not hearing back from him for a little bit and going, I don't know, did you like my movie, man? And then this was after Argo had come out, and he was like, I cast like four of your damn actors. Like, what do you think I thought of your movie? Like. Because Michael Parks is in that movie, Carrie Bechet is in that movie, John Goodman's in that movie. Like, there's a bunch of people from Red State in that movie. Oh, shoot. Well, it's funny you say that because I had not actually watched Argo in quite some time. So until I just clicked on Chris Messina's filmography, I didn't, I forgot he was in Argo. He's, a, uh, he's, and, he's in the, he's in the, by night. He's a CIA guy in there. He's with uh, Cranston, I think, right? Mm, okay. Then, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's been, it's been a while. And then I, now I'm seeing he's in Live by Night, which I mean, I did see in theaters and then I've chosen not to revisit. Uh, it's, it's, it's not, I mean, it got shit on because it was like right at the time that people were starting to crap on Affleck again. Cause right when he was going to, he was going to rehab, I think around then. And it was right when Batman was, uh, was an issue. It was the wrong time to make a movie, I think. But that movie's fine. It's not as good as the other movies because. I, it's the it still runs well. Like here's there's the, no yeah, there's no shame in not being as good as his first three directorial efforts. You know, Ben Affleck movies are run like machines. Mm-hmm. Like he is he is a, an amazingly like skilled filmmaker for someone who's not a like didn't go to school to be a director. Like for just having done it as like I want to have control over my up, yeah. So I have to direct because my acting career might be over. Like he's amazingly good at it. And if Live by Night is a little you know off center of like what he maybe should be focusing on. Hey, maybe it was a good lesson. Cause if you remember at the time, this is how deep a dive I can do on Affleck. Like <laughs> one of the other things he was talking about directing, obviously there was the Batman movie, but there was a Bunker Hill movie about like the yeah. battle of Bunker Hill, which like sure Boston filmmaker, like all that. But like, I don't know that that's the movie I want from him. I had not seen that. You know, one thing I paid attention to for a while is someone that follows um, him is, uh, in, which apparently might may or may not still happen under under the new uh, artist equity banner that this that uh, air was produced under is that they, they might still make that witness for the prosecution movie, which I would watch the hell out of him trying and to do a legal procedural. You know, I mean, I would still be into it if he made that movie with Fincher if they did Strangers on a Train for the Oscar season, mm. but that's never going to happen. That was definitely a, like we're burnt out and like wouldn't it be cool if we just made this into a murder? No, the two that I want to see one he'll never do. But the other one that I think he and Damon talked about on, I don't know, like Bill Simmons' podcast was um, the trade. They were gonna, they were gonna yeah. do. The movie I listen, the I, I listened to the interview on Simmons. It didn't come up then, but I, I just saw that today somewhere online, and like I, which is where like back what what in the sixties or seventies, a couple of Yankees players swapped swapped wives. Yeah, they were, and they think they were like that'd be fun. I think they've said like, I mean, yeah, it's not like dead, but I think they. I think it just never happened and it's just not maybe the the top priority but he was the problem you know, is it, problem is it would be more marketable if they were the stars but they're like now both in their 50s so it's like do you buy them as baseball players if they're in their 50s you I, know? I mean old looking old school baseball players looked like old men that's, so a, good, that's a good point that's a good point i would have to check at how old they were i'm sure in in i'm sure they were probably in their late 20s early 30s so it would be a tough fit mm-hmm. but stranger things have happened no the and then if you look like other people made movies he was attached to, like he was going to do um, American Hustle when it was like just called Abscam when it was uh, oh uh, initial yeah. like that, I think he did Argo instead. So mm. like there's a world in which a, a non David O. Russell version of American Hustle is Affleck-y, but like I think he's made the right movies and this is in some ways his best one. 
Yeah, I'm, 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 yeah, I'm curious to get into why. Uh, I mean, we just mentioned that by night. This is the first time uh, Ben Affleck has returned to directing since then. But uh, he and Matt Damon have, you know, uh, created this new company, uh, Artist Equity, where they are, you know, the goal of which is to be able to channel more of the back end uh, to a lot of the people, both both above and the below the line, working on their movies. That fair description, Joey? Yeah, I mean, I think his point of his point that he said, and I think it might have been that Hollywood Reporter interview and, and some other spots, is like. So yeah, an actor, maybe a director, producers, the movie does well, they get to do better, right? They get whatever they get, and if they get a piece, they do better. Everyone mm -hmm. else involved, you get what you get, and that always, he found a little strange. So his example was like, Robert Richardson is the, is the cinematographer of the movie. Mm -hmm. So he gets a, he gets probably as much as almost any cinematographer in the business, right? It's probably cost a pretty penny to hire him. Th this movie does really well. He'll make more money on this than maybe he's made ever. Because everyone's involved in the profit sharing. Right. One, it's just a good idea. Makes everyone work, you know, be invested in the project. Two, makes people want to work with you again. Three, is a great Trojan horse for this movie. This movie is a great Trojan horse for that point of view, as we'll get into. Like the the third act of the movie is the mission, yep. is the Jerry Maguire mission statement of act of uh, artist equity. Yep. Which is very clever and part of why Ben Affleck movies are well-oiled machines. Yeah, and I and so and so we, so we, yeah, with we should we should say you know Air is the uh, story of how the kind kind of how the the genesis of the Air Jordan brand and how uh, the folks that were at Nike's in the uh, early to mid '80s, including uh, you know founder Phil Knight, but also uh, Sonny Vaccaro, who's uh, you know uh, has lived a bunch of lives and yeah, those uh, are the names you know. Like, yeah. And so, and so, and Sonny, like, you know, at the time was like kind of a, a basketball scout who, you know, tried to recommend what players they sh Nike should go after for their fledgling basketball brand, but kind of became a different kind of activist later on. And, you know, when, when it came to paying college players, but that was his role at the time within Nike. Like, I don't want to say he's against what the movie is up to anymore. Cause he's not, he's involved, but like, yeah, he, he definitely, he fell out with Nike. Like he worked for the competition. Like, yeah, he's part of the reason that that college players get paid now. Like he, or can get paid for their likeness. Like he yeah. is, I, I didn't need the Sonny Vaccaro biopic. No. But, and yeah. And, but like, I think way. this movie, this movie utilizes uh, a character and a figure of that way in, a, in an interesting way, as opposed to, you know, a traditional biopic. Yeah, yeah. The way he has his, we'll get into the third act, I'm sure. But like the evolution of like, Oh, maybe that is the way to go is, um, enough to let you go like oh that would make sense that he would eventually be in the the ed o'bannon suit yeah yeah for sure and, and just the way he probably thought about the world though it's it, it is funny if you if you google him after watching this movie it's like oh then he went to work for adidas um, yeah, he, i think he worked for reebok too at one point like he worked for everyone like every time yeah. money got, and like the basketball camp he co-founded with um oh i forget which character but they fell out over money over that too so like uh. they all i mean it's still business. oh did he do it with the raveling character who yeah. was kind of like yeah george raveling who <laughs> Played by Mar yeah, Marlon Wins, and they fell out over money eventually. So, like, <laughs> yeah, the guy, the guy again, lived a long life. We should say, you know, he picks up. Yeah, and, and everyone and a lot of people that might not like be as familiar with the true story that are just going to see this movie because of the marketing and that Matt Damon and Ben Affleck are involved might not understand that. Like, back in the early '80s, Nike was like kind of a bit of a second-class citizen in the basketball oh, world. So it was, yeah, in the basketball world, it was a third-class citizen. It was oh, a true. very, it was a very successful brand, but it was a running shoe brand. People mm -hmm. didn't wear basketball shoes except if you played basketball you know you mm -hmm. wore running shoes to go out and, and stuff but like nobody wore basketball shoes as like a style statement it was they were utilitarian in a way that like we don't really have now but like tennis shoes were tennis shoes basketball shoes were basketball shoes so they were way behind adidas and um and reebok and indeed yeah in, in, in converse in converse like they might even been fourth place they don't really get into like everyone in this movie mm -hmm. but they talk about like they were they were sort of like the apple of the group. You know, they had a weird leader. They were they did things a little differently, but they had they really didn't have a basketball but, division. But they were actually pretty successful just from like track and field. And yeah, yeah, so it, it wasn't even necessarily a matter of them just like not even having the money of some of the competition, but like more that like they couldn't attract the best basketball players just because their reputation in the basketball world was not great. So like they could yeah they weren't cool. Yeah, they could in theory offer as much money as the other places, but the reputation was such that like that like Michael Jordan's agent wouldn't give them the time of day. And well, I mean, that was the thing. Look at um, they they mentioned it even in the movie, but like there was no slogan. Adidas and and Reebok and Converse, you know, they had slogans that kids would say. That was that was cool, and they didn't have a cool cachet. 
I think, so they, I think I think just do it is said a couple of times during this film, but not in like in, in almost more of a joking context, like no one took it seriously, right? And yeah. and that's that's the thing. So like and, and you don't have to I think the thing is also important is like you don't have to know anything about any of this. The movie does a good job whether you know plenty about sports, plenty about shoes, nothing about either. It it does what you need, which is kind of cool. And right. I think it's pretty hard to do that. Most of the time, and and I want to know if you agree with me or not, because you, you know. You know sports like I don't know sports like a lot of times movies that are worried about what their audiences will know end up dumbing it down so much that people who know go like, eh. like, listen, I like draft day, the movie, but I won't pretend that it's not like really aimed at people who have never watched the NFL draft. Like, yeah, I've actually never watched draft day. I just got heard it was like so bad. And I just I, it's not bad. I, I would say, oh, OK, so like if you're going to get into like the idea of the draft in a couple of weeks. Like just pop it on. It's not that long. It's Kevin Costner, so like, but like, there are things that don't work, like the trade, that he had, the big climactic trade. No, no. Like, there's no draft board that that works for. But at the same time, it gives you what you want. This movie does a great job of you don't have to worry about that. Like, you don't have to know who Sam Bowie is, but if you do, it's it's funny to be like, oh, well, that's the shore bet, and you know. Well, yeah, I would agree with the fact that, like, I think people, and again, I'm coming at this from the perspective of a sports fan, but I would agree with you in that, like, I don't think you have to be a sports fan to get it. And I think it's interesting you, like, kind of mentioned that stuff about trades because a movie, a movie that I've seen and just the coverage I have consumed that, like, this movie has drawn a few comparisons to, not not totally off base, is Moneyball. And not in the analytics, but in the, like, the style. Or even even Gary McGuire in the, like, it's sports with no sports involved right but like one of the things that like always bothered me about Moneyball is like the first scene i really like money i really love Moneyball, but like the first scene where it's like oh yeah billy bean is like traveled across the halfway across the country to negotiate a trade in person with the indians I'm like that's not well, how that's like a, negotiating trades work you yeah, know that's a, that's an okay movie thing of like you need to get him into the office so he can find um I, yeah I, I just don't know why that always bothered find me peter brand who's really paul de podesta mm-hmm. uh but you know that's a that movie also has the one problem that the book has which is they just never mentioned the fact that they had three of the best pitchers in the game but plus plus, plus miguel tejada and eric chavez <laughs> well, yeah, but they're bad players in that because they're they're stealing bases and they're not taking their walks and stuff like that but it's totally but but, the- but my point is i know a lot of people that really love Moneyball that like don't know much about sports and i sure. think this movie certainly uh, succeeds in that way but like the kind of the interesting thing i wanted to ask you about like what it does story-wise is that like you know and and i don't even think i mentioned it yet like largely the movie is about like sonny vaccaro like identifying michael jordan as the guy like we're gonna upend our entire mode of business just to get this guy and the movie is about that pursuit oh, yeah. and there's a whole scene where they get into like they have a budget they're gonna allocate mm-hmm. their their traditional way of doing it or how they're planning on doing it is like we're going to spread it out among like three players in the first round. Yeah. And, you know, they're talking about a bunch of names and it, depending on how much you know about sports, most of them are busts. Some of them are good players, mm-hmm. um, but they're also, you know, it, what what was the best one? John Stockton. Well, they I talk think. about Charles Barkley and John Stockton. Who are yeah, but they famous. talk about Charles Barkley as being like, he's not, um, he's not good on a microphone or something like that. <laughs> There's a joke there about like that. Yeah. But yeah, he, his whole point of view is, well, Conversely, you would not want to give John Stockton a microphone these days because he might go on an anti-vax rant. But you know, that's oh, something. <laughs> didn't he used to just be boring? Yeah, but no, like he has like some very crazy views now. If you actually like want to Google him, like in you know, so like you like it's 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 like very 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 crazy. Like anti-vax he hung rant. out in Utah too long. Yep. <laughs> Sorry if you have any Utah listeners, you lost him. But no, that's the thing about the about, about this movie is you don't have to know any of that. It's a nice added layer. And clearly Ben Affleck and Matt Damon and, and and the writer, like they know these things, but it's very much an ingratiating experience. It's not trying to be like, oh, look at all we know. It's here's the world. We're going to present it in a way that's never complicated. But if you know the subtext, then you know they know their stuff. Well, sure. And, and, and I think to be able to do that, you're operating on a very high level. So you might have already answered the first question I wanted to ask you, Joey. And that was in seeing the reaction to this movie and watching it and just having a great time at it like I did. And then seeing the reaction, it got really good reviews. But even some of the good reviews uh, qualified it by being like, yeah, I feel kind of dirty because I feel like I'm just like cheering for a corporation. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you, and I think is this still your number one of the year? Yeah, it is. It is my and so I think you enjoyed it with less with, with less qualifiers and some of these other people who might have given it a thumbs up. So my question for you is like, 
my, my, my first question for you when I planned out this podcast was going to be like, why does this work more for you than, than just being like a movie where you're cheering for a corporation to make money? Because I think a lot of people are cynically being like, oh, I had a, I, I, yeah, I had a fun time. But at the same time, I acknowledge like, you know, it's just me cheering for some white guys to make money. And I want to know from you is like, why is this movie better than just simply what some people I think are reducing it to? And that it's like, oh, you're just cheering for like a bunch of people that already had some money to make even more money. Well, there's the emotion of it all, but what I'll, what my counteract to that, mm -hmm. uh, my counterpoint to their point is, if it's if that's what it's about, and we take what you just said on face value, then it's also about how that same corporation gave an African African American man more money than any professional athlete has ever been given, and made it so that many many other athletes could make tens and hundreds of millions of dollars based on that. So, sure, they made a lot of money with Michael Jordan, but Michael Jordan made a lot of money mm. and many an athlete since then has made a lot of money because Nike did what they did as opposed to, which is again, what the third act is about is about like, Oh, we can do things the way we've always done them. Or we can do this way. That's more equitable. That basically gives the, the talent equity that says, if you do better, we're going to do better. So in turn, you will do better, which is here. We're back in the circle. What, artist equity is about if we <laughs> make this movie it makes more money than it would have otherwise everybody involved in the production makes more money so yeah sure there's a company that's doing it but i mean to some degree that's it's such a cynical viewpoint because that's like saying oh well how can i root for the mets their owner is a billionaire or a hedge fund manager right and he's almost certainly a republican like like sure but that's that doesn't negate, negate the fact that he pumps a whole lot of money into the team that I get pleasure out of, or even beyond that, they're like that's like every every big company is evil to one degree or another. So unless we're eliminating like any, if you're not buying any products from anything, you, you can't really not involve yourself with them. So yeah, basically, the basically every time I see anyone boycott a company, where like the like the the CEO, like it turns out like. What's well, funny because before we got yeah. on here, I was talking before we got on here, I, I was talking about how my, my my movie theater across the street is closing down so they can build up a uh, new office space. But the whole entire development that like that movie theater is a part of is owned by Stephen Ross. And there was like, yeah, a, there, sucks. yeah there, there was like a, there was a, that was a big news story a few years ago. And like people found out that like he, he like had a bunch of rhetoric about how he like, you know, wanted to be for racial equality, but he also hosted like a $250,000 plate like fundraiser for Trump. Well, it's the thing, like, like you you can pick and choose your battles. Like I, I choose not to buy Goya anymore because like, hey, you you know, you want to be a company pitching itself as an items for a certain population, but also you're going to go and, and take pictures with like that, that. That just doesn't your values don't line up. But at the same time. I mean, mo you just have to kind of accept that most. But, of these you, but yeah, but you can't you can't judge someone because they continue to like buy from a business that like might have a problematic oh, right. person at the very top. Cause if that, if that's, if that's oh, the life you're going to lead, you may as well go like live off the grid. Exactly. Like, I mean, listen, I, I have had Chick-fil-A in my life. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, you know, but like most of them are bad. Some of them are worse. Papa John, especially bad. Andy Puzner, especially bad, but there's occasionally good ones. So like, do, do many people know that like little Caesars, not that it's the most amazing food in the world, but Mike Illich was a good dude. Like, I mean, maybe a shitty owner with the Tigers and the Red Wings, but like, wasn't an evil man. Like he paid Rosa Parks his rent. And but, nobody found out about it until he died because he didn't tell anyone. It wasn't important to get the publicity. So it's, yes, more of them are bad than good. But at the same time, you just have to kind of ignore that because that's but, like saying anything. It, it, it's, it lose, it's, it's not seeing the forest for the trees. But, but also to bring it back to air, like, I don't think it fails to totally acknowledge the fact of like some of the things about Nike. So sure. I, sh I, sh I, sh I should mention that uh, I, I should, I should mention on top of the people we've already mentioned, uh, Ben Affleck plays Phil Knight and uh, Matt Damon plays uh, Matt Damon, Matt Damon plays Sonny Vaccaro. We've already mentioned Jason Bateman plays uh, Rob Strasser, who is the uh, head of marketing at Nike. Uh, Chris Messina plays David Falk, uh, Michael Jordan's agent, Viola Davis plays his mom. And, uh, uh, and Matthew Maher plays Peter Moore, who like designed a lot of their shoes. And, I and you know one of the more one of the more interesting scenes of the movie involves like Jason Bateman kind of like you know uh, like kind of giving like uh, giving a big monologue to yes, Sonny monologue about his daughter in the shoes yes it's great which 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 I, well yes and I think a lot of people were like were very cynical about it though it's like oh wow like you're just a shitty dad if that's the only way you could bond with your daughter. And no, it's like that's missing the point entirely. I, I've seen like more than one take about that where they like where, where people were eye rolling about that and like I, 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 the movie. 
I mean, like I, I had a moment where I was like, this is like, like, I was like, this shouldn't be working on me, but like, but it is. And uh, that's, in so much he, as that's I, his point, his point. Cause the whole point of what he's saying is like, if I, if this goes sideways and I lose my job and I don't I, work anymore, I'm probably still going to buy my daughter Nike shoes. Cause it's a thing we share. Right. And I think a big, a, a big thing that a point of the movie accomplishes is again, this is a true story. Like everyone going into this probably knows what the Jordan brand is. It's like, it gives stakes in a movie that like might otherwise not really have stakes because like you just kind of know how it's going to end for Michael Jordan, but you, it, it, it lets you understand just like, you know, how precarious it might've been for a lot of other people involved who you would never thought about. Which is an Aflac talent because then that would Argo. I mean, I mm-hmm. like, I think you might've mentioned it, but I interviewed Chris Messina earlier today and he even said it like, we know how the movie ends. We know who wins. Like, you know, the plane takes off in Argo. Like, it's all about how do you create the tension of whether it'll happen and how do you root for it to happen? I mean, I remember seeing Argo at a press screening and when the plane took off, the audience cheered. Like, you know, I, you, you have a like tension watching this movie when you know it's, you know, it's going to work out because what you hear them saying is sort of like, world-changing in a way it's not just that a company got a client but it is literally that the entire way that um athletes were able to have themselves represented to change you know it used to be you got paid some money you wore what they said and that was kind of it and then you made your money with uh with playing and hopefully you played long enough that you made a bunch of money and if you didn't you should have luck we see this all the time especially with football players how many of them are on the streets you know, oh, yeah. the, we, we hear them like dying uh, CT related yeah. things because yeah. they didn't average, average, average career is like three years. Yeah. Like the how, how many of these conversations we've seen over the years have been about getting players who are no longer playing health insurance because they're not in any sort of union. So the idea that that changed in part because, you know, if, as the movie puts it, Michael Jordan's mom was like, no, he gets a piece because you get a piece of him. So why does he not get a piece of you? And and. You know, the scene is based on Sonny Vaccaro being like, I, I agree with you. It's just not how it's done. And what's clever about the scene is all of a sudden, Sonny Vaccaro is your, your hero of the whole movie, right? You're rooting for him to succeed. In an instant, they flip it and you're rooting for him to fail. You're rooting for Dolores to win, <laughs> right? And the movie's seamless in doing that. And it's not Sonny who wins the day. Like, it's literally him telling Phil Knight, telling Ben Affleck, like, we're not going to get it because we can't possibly do this. And Phil Knight being like, you know what? Fuck it. Like, because the whole thing about him is he's a Buddhist and a capitalist, and it makes no sense to anyone. <laughs> and he'll wear, he'll not wear shoes and talk about how possessions are bad. But they'll be like, "But you have a purple cat, like Porsche you drive around." Like, well, also in that moment, Dolores might have won, but like we know Phil won too because Phil is worth forty billion dollars. Yeah, Phil, Phil did fine. <laughs> like Phil's doing great. Sonny's but, but, doing. But, great. but also, as we noted, like before before any of this happened, like Nike was already a successful company, just not successful in the basketball game. Like like they had already like had a very big share of just like the regular track shoe, like tennis shoe market, you know. And but they were doing well, but at the same time, it kind of goes back to like again, just talking about the stakes a bit, like. You know, yeah, they were doing well, but like, it, you know, profitable companies all the time like cut cut other parts of their business of just to like ensure profitability. So it, it, it never that Nike will go out of business, but the risk was well, maybe they just get out of the basketball game, and, and that like, could co- and that could cost a segment of their company their livelihoods. Sure, and that's what the movie is way more concerned mm-hmm. with, with like like Rob Strasser, like oh. If they don't have a basketball division, I don't have a job. Like, Sonny, you don't have a job anymore. Like, like maybe we'll get jobs elsewhere, but, like, this job will be gone. Not that Nike will, will be gone, but imagine if that had happened. Not that I want to defend companies. Like, I'm I'm pretty left. Like, I don't want to. But, like, if Nike doesn't exist, it's possible that you don't have this particular way of having a contract. Mm-hmm. And it's possible that the Ed O'Bannon suit never happens because Sonny Vaccaro is seen as a failure. And maybe a leper in terms of like getting another job. Right. So, you know, maybe or having, or having a clout to help with something like that. Yeah, exactly. Like that. So there, there is, there are good things that happen. Mm-hmm. So I think, I think people who get really caught up in the like, it's a movie about rich white guys and like a rich white man made this movie. Like, I, I don't know. I, we, I think I've talked about this before, but like, I get, I get weird about that stuff because like, of course, there should be more diverse films. There should be more representation. Everybody should see themselves on screen. But that doesn't mean you don't make movies about people who look like that either. You make all of them. And the market the market decides for some reason, but even that's more corporate than I want to be. Have everyone see themselves on film is the right way to do it. 
Well, sure. Then let me ask you more broadly about the structure of the movie, because like uh, I think I, 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 I'm sure you would agree with me, like Viola Davis is pretty great in her time in this movie. I, I think she's probably going to get nominated for this. That would be awesome uh, for sure. Like, cause I mean, she's literally in like three scenes. So it'd be just, I always find it cool when someone like recognizes that someone is deserving of like a supporting actress not or actor nomination when like their screen time is that limited. But you know, I think- I mean, the year, everything's still to be determined this year. Yeah, so. I, I'm just saying like, you know, I'm sure there's going to be other roles later where it wouldn't even necessarily be category fraud, but someone says this can have more screen time where like, where you could still make the argument that like she makes a true supporting impact in a way that like is very deserving. And I, I like it when people get honored for like, you know, 20 minutes of screen time or whatever. Sure. And I, I think I think that's a true supporting performance getting nominated is fantastic. And we, you're right. We don't see it as often as, as you know, we more, far more often see the like co-lead. We see the oh big name actor who took a slightly smaller part. Um, the pandemic year, I think we saw a lot of supporting performances get nominated because it was it was a little bit of like, well, we're pulling from a smaller crop of films. They're a smaller crop of films in terms of their scale. So that like like Paul Racy getting nominated for Sound of Metal. It's a great nomination. It doesn't happen in a in a, in a traditional year just because it's it's so easy to overlook that for, you know, a bigger film that has a bigger cast and like, oh, there's a name. And we, you know, we always see the ones that happen where you're like, all right, that's good for them. You know, it's very rare that you see one that's like atrocious, but you know, the list of people who don't get nominated more often than not, you do go like, oh, that would be a better nomination. Sure. But, but because she's so impactful in her limited screen time, I think it, it, it almost, well, my point was going to kind of go back to some of those cynical folks we were talking about before where they're like, you know, they might be like all wary about any kind of movie that they think could be construed as just cheering for the man. And they're like, you know, I really would have liked to have seen the movie about Viola Davis and what things were like from this woman's perspective that really was like, you know, brains behind this operation. And I'm like, and I, and, and like, I'm, I'm not sure how to respond to that. Cause I'm like, I don't know if that movie gets made in the first place, you know? Also, I don't know how much more of the story is there. Like, aside from, do you want to know about like Michael Jordan's like mostly functional home life? Like, I think, I think the idea of him not being a major character is actually to this movie's benefit because he has this allure of like, we know he's going to be essentially a God. Like he's not a human being. Like he's just, he's touched by greatness right we know that so the more time you spend with them you have to justify that as opposed to most of the people in this movie don't meet him or meet him once or say hello and that's it so this like mystical figure almost is it, go, it, go, it goes to the risk they're taking that sonny keeps talking about the whole movie about how he just thinks you know it's about it, it, the shoes yeah. just a shoe until a person steps into it like he's making a huge bet on that person that like by all accounts assuming because like i honestly think they probably stay really close to the facts in this based on what i've seen from affleck's interviews and how he talks about what michael jordan wanted in this movie and how he was going to make it with his blessing like i think everything in this i'm i i feel comfortable like taking it mostly at face value but it's like you know at the same like at the same time like these people are making a bet on like this guy's mystique that obviously paid off so it kind of makes and on the one hand it like makes sense to like tell from that perspective like hey we don't really know this guy at all but we just think it's gonna work but i mean i was gonna ask you like do you think like one like is there a version of this movie that you want to watch that's just like you know all the conversations going on in the jordan household or two even if like that's not the movie and we still have one that's a little more focused on the goings-on in oregon do we at least like have a version where we we see a conversation that dolores has prior to calling sunny you know do you want a little more from that end of it no i, I actually don't think i do because i like I like not hearing the Michael Jordan perspective. Not that I don't want to hear from him, but I like the idea of Michael wants to go to Adidas, right? He thinks it's cool. That's where he wants to go, right? So he's going to go to Adidas. That's that's what he's planning. And <clears throat> Dolores says at a certain point, you know, I'll, I'll get him to a meeting with you. That's all I'm, I'm, I'm willing to do. It's Sonny's first meeting where he, he tells her how the other meetings are going to go, right? So having a conversation where she has to like goad him into doing something makes her, I think, less interesting of a character. I think, excuse me, what's interesting about her is that you get her when she's ready to make decisions as opposed to contemplating them. Like I think watching her come to the decision in a weird way like weakens the character. Like she's, she comes off incredibly strong, right? Every time she's on screen or on the phone, she commands your presence because she's, she's thought about it already. She's had the discussions already. She knows what's best for her son. She believes in her son more than anyone 
And a lot of this is about feeling out the other characters. Do you believe in my son as much as you say you do? Can you do the things you can do? Like, because I know, I believe my son will do everything you think he can do and more. So I think the fact that it's kind of limited contact is is better. Otherwise, you would get, it would turn into closer to like the blind side where you get all these, these home life scenes that they don't, they don't create forward momentum for the story. I think one of the reasons why the movie is so propulsive for being a movie about like people in a room talking is that it is, there is some uncertainty. You're never quite sure what's happening. It feels more like you're at the job. And I think if you spent more time with her, then those scenes would in turn seem more boring. And and the funny part is, if you listen to Affleck, like she was even smaller of a character. The only reason this is this character is as good as she is now is, is Michael Jordan went, yeah, one of the, there's two things I need in this movie. One, you gotta, you gotta put Howard White in this movie. He's really important in my story. And he's like, all right, great. We get the Chris Tucker role, right? And he also goes, and uh, Viola Davis is my mom. Like that's just that's who I that's who I see. She is her. And he goes, all right, and and he but says, you're, and you're not going to get Viola Davis to take the part unless it's a little more substantial than what yeah, it apparently originally like, was. He, the way he describes it, he's like not terrified, but he's like, oh shit, like I can't offer her this role. <laughs> like she will say no to me, and she will be upset with me because this is offensive if you just offer that to her, whatever it was. Yeah, like and they they had worked together. And I'm forgetting what I know they'd work together on. And it's probably something very obvious. But, you know, to have known, to know her. And it's to not be the Suicide to, Squad stuff, is it? It's probably something else. But yeah. might be that. It might be that. It might just be that. But, like, they, yeah. you know, he has access to be like, I have a script I'd like you to read. Yeah. If it's just a cameo, they're not friends like that, where it can be like, just pop in and do, with me, do me a favor. Like, it's not like Matt Damon's playing that role, where it's like, right. Matt, just do me a favor. Oh, she was in State of Play also. Oh yeah, I mean I don't know. Which also Jason Bateman is in like an incredible Jason Bateman performance in my opinion. Sure. But yes, and 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 like we said, Chris Messina in in three Affleck movies now. Mm-hmm. So like, he does work with people. He, he can get friends to show up, but he wasn't quite that buddy buddy with her. He had to like have a, re- oh. a good part and be like Michael Jordan wants you. You know what? You know also Matthew Ma- Matthew uh, Marr Matthew Mayer is always in uh, Affleck movies at this point, mm. and and there's an actor who always should get more work. So don't disagree. Yeah, like it's it's he. He seems to be a good dude. And that's that's always a plus. Like, I love the fact that he and Damon definitely rewrote this movie. And they straight up told their writer, like, we're not arbitrating. Like, it's it's your script. It started from you. Like, we don't need that credit. When we were coming up, people helped us out. We're happy to help you out. That's, yeah, that was really cool. I saw that somewhere, too. Uh, so, you know, one thing I was going to ask you, though, like, I, I've been planning on kind of waiting a little more towards the end, but we're kind of already there already. And now I was going to ask about, you know, the not even so much the storytelling choice, but the filmmaking choice to uh, not actually have Michael Jordan really depicted as a as a like a by by an actor who's like face is shown and and to instead kind of like work around that. And I, I and I get where a lot of people are coming from when they say like, yeah, that would have almost been distracting. Michael Jordan is too famous. And I'm curious, like, where did you ultimately come down on that after seeing the movie? Because like going into it. And, and just seeing the trailer and thinking that was that was kind of where they were going for it based on the fact that there wasn't like anyone that really seemed like announces cast to play Michael Jordan. I'm like, how do you make a movie about a guy signing with a shoe deal and you not like show what he's thinking behind that? And like, I really, really enjoyed the movie. Uh, and I was like, as I was watching, I was like, oh, like they really did find a way around this. But like, I was a little, I, I wasn't sure how to feel about it in the big scene where Sonny makes the pitch to him in the meeting. How did you feel they ultimately like did in like, in, in like executing, uh, in trying to work around, like actually having to have someone be like, this is Michael Jordan. Cause I get why that would have presented some challenges. Yeah. I think, I think, uh, I think Affleck even said it really well when he said, and maybe this is the same interview. I don't know, but he said, you know, if we cast a Michael Jordan, it's the only story. Like, it's the only thing, it's the only news story about the production of the film. It's the only thing people go in and, like, that's not the story we're telling. So instead, we just have, oh, you cast this person as Michael Jordan, and then you didn't do right by them. And and I think he even said, like, this isn't the Michael Jordan story. I don't have, it's not my story to tell, first of all. I'm not compensating Michael Jordan in the way that he should be compensated if he his, you know, a biopic is being right. told. I mean, I think as, uh, sure, maybe there's a, a a less cute way to do it than the like just cut away and in the back of their head but like i thought it was fine because the idea again like these are people in an office who don't know michael jordan you know that's even goes back to like the dolores point dolores knows michael jordan right and we only see her when she's ready to talk to the nike people 
So the the private conversations are private. So I kind of I think as a narrative choice, it even works. And it, and it becomes the like, well, we're not privy to that. You know, we had to go around the agent to even talk to them. Like, so we're not getting the full story. We're kind of we're making our pitch. We're hoping for the best. I think I think it works as an interesting way of of keeping you maybe even like a little on the edge of your seat. Like it has not a thriller element, but gives you the mystery. Because okay, again, so, you know how this story is going to end. Right. So I think it's interesting you put it that way. Like you're kept on the edge of your seat somewhat just the way they do it. Because like, again, I think it really worked. But the one moment, and there's one moment in the film where I'm just like, I don't, I think maybe there would have been a better way to do this. Like would it really have been worth, would it, would, would it have really cost them that much to like have to deal with the headlines of casting Michael Jordan? And that was when in the actual boardroom pitch at the end, you have Sony making like his big monologue off the cuff monologue going off script from the meeting they prepared to make his very emotional plea to Michael as to like why this is the right choice for him. And I'm like, and it, it did feel like it, it for a moment, I'm like this, like it kind it's kind of weird that like, you're not seeing the reaction on the face to the, of the person who this whole entire plea is being made to. Well, and that, that was, is the one moment where I felt a little like I, maybe something is missing to me, but it was just the one right. moment where I ever felt that the whole time. I can see that, but I also think it goes back to just the point that they're focusing on, which is the only way we will sign Michael is if we get his mother on board. That that we will care for. Right, his... But I think Sonny is actually addressing that monologue to Michael. Sure, but the if you if you look at like where the focus is in mm -hmm. terms of where the camera goes, it goes to Sonny, it goes to the Nike execs, it goes to Dolores a lot. Mm -hmm. It focuses on how she's reading, like it, with the sense of like she's reading her son. She's reading Sonny. She's reading the room. She's reading her son. Is this is this affecting her son? You know, you 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 get the sense that maybe all things being equal, she be she would go with with Nike. Like she definitely seems to agree with how the other companies are sort of structured. Maybe isn't to his uh, to his benefit, but it is still about him. So she's watching him to see if if he's reacting in any way. And I think I think they focus in on that. So yeah, there's another way of doing it that definitely is a sort of one-on-one -on -one, you know one-on-one -on -one game essentially between Sonny and and michael but that's a different movie because you would have to thread that mm. you would i think you would have had to make that he would you would have had to do what you did for viola davis you would have to do that with the actor who played michael you would mm. have to have more scenes of of him either i, I don't even know what you would do because you didn't you don't need family scenes you don't there wouldn't really be scenes of basketball maybe like the scenes of being courted by other people and seeing like how he's already kind of like treated as a commodity by other people. There's a way to do it, but I, I don't know. I, I, I didn't have an issue because I narratively and structurally realized like this is how they kind of have to do it. And even if it's just, you know, um, necessity being the mother of invention, they found a way where it comes off more like a narrative choice and a, and a decision as opposed to like, we're stuck. Yeah. And I sure, and I don't knock them too much for it because like I've 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 seen it talked about and I and I and I get the reasoning, but like I just th that that one moment in the movie was like it, it feel it felt a little awkward to me and I I didn't really know if there was a real answer to it because like yeah maybe it, it, is it worth because I can see the argument it's not worth all the other problems it presents just to have this one person be Michael Jordan and then like all of a sudden you've like made the Michael Jordan movie and given like this actor like two lines and like when that wasn't what the what was what the story was supposed to be it goes back to the idea of like after like movies and you know maybe not live by night but, but especially argo this one the town gone baby gone like they 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 run like fucking machines and they do because they don't go in unnecessary directions not that like michael jordan is unnecessary but to have like one scene where you suddenly see the guy and you're talking it would feel like well this is just so we can see michael jordan like the <laughs> movie is so like precise with what it's doing yeah but, but i don't know if it has to even be on I don't know if it would necessarily be unnecessary. That sounds funny. Like I, I don't, I don't know if that necessarily be a problem because, again, like we're, I'd be, I'd be curious to know. Like you know, I, I, I don't doubt, and I, it seems like Dolores Jordan was like a very, very smart woman and savvy woman. Uh, but like it's she's kind of implying in some of those conversations that like this is what Michael thinks he's worth too. Like it's clear there was conversations that went on between them. So I, agree, but I think she's she's clearly seen as the king of the family. Like like you see you see um. You see the father, you see, which is her real life husband. Mm -hmm. um, and we obviously know. Jules Tennant. We know a little bit about Michael Jordan's dad for not fun reasons. Not yeah. that him, but like obviously what happened to him. And we know how important he was and how important his family is to him. But the idea, it's, he honestly, I think, you know, he doesn't have a ton to do, but he has that really funny re reaction 
when when Matt Damon first arrives and is looking mm-hmm. for her, he's like, I'll take him to the back. You see him going, all right, and this is, you guys, the dance begins. Like, he, he very clearly is like, I'm here if you need me, which is fully going, I'm not needed in this. Like, it's really, it's, this is you. Like, I did love how those scenes were played by both him and Viola, because, like, you're, we're, we're being conditioned to believe that, like, Sonny is going to be told to fuck off as soon as he shows yeah. up. And I like the way they size him up and, like, they are open to seeing him in a way that like is not expected based on what we've been told to that point in the movie, based on what uh, David Falk is telling him and kind of what you think these movies are going to, what you think any kind of traditional story beat would be. You can tell they're a, skeptical might not even be the right word, but they are protective of Michael. They mm-hmm. like, like she says more than once in the movie, like I know what my son will do. She doesn't, I don't think says can like will do like she knows he's going to be incredible. So like what will impede him? people who don't have his best interests at heart, right? And, and you know, his father is a lot quieter about that and then is like, Dolores has this. But, you know, that's why they're sizing him up at the beginning. Like, oh, you you went around the agent. You know, the agent's not our friend. Like, we understand why the agent's there. He's there to protect us, but he's also serving his own interests. So, like, you, went ar- you feel strongly enough that you went around him. Why? You know, that's what the, there, there's a lot of, like, why on their face. And as he explains and and goes about it it you can see that they go all right this is a different guy like we don't know if that's good or bad but like we're willing to listen that's and it's it's about like there's an efficiency there that mm-hmm. scene is not a very long scene in the in the mm. front um just like you know there's a little a little little thing after sunny makes the phone call to be like i'm i'm down and i'm down there and they're like you're gonna get fired <laughs> on a car phone isn't that great like that it's it's a funny like very traditional in this sort of movie scene like i disobeyed the rules look at me but then once he hangs up, like he goes around that car and like on, on on sort of the surface, you wouldn't pay attention to that. I go, it's another scene of like him driving. But the idea of like he need to to get to the thing he knows is true, he will go around the rules. So like as he's going around the rules, he's literally like passing by a car on a one way street. Right. Um, I, 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 I want to, I, I, I want to move on, move on to like Joey asking a little bit about these performances, uh, sure. before you finish up, uh, because we've, we've kind of, we've talked a lot about the story, but I'm curious, like, uh, what were your feelings on how, uh, Damon and Affleck like slid into these roles? Cause I don't think anyone's surprised that they had like really good chemistry, but like, you know, to like, uh, also, uh, cause again, they're Matt Damon and Ben Affleck. We've seen them have that on screen before, but like to see, uh, Matt Damon credibly be like, you know, a, just like what's supposed to be, you know, a, like a, a pudgy middle, middle-aged, middle-aged basketball lifer and, uh, Ben Affleck be like, you know, an eccentric, uh, an, an eccentric CEO. Uh, those are slightly different roles than we've seen him in before. Like how did you, though, though I guess we have seen Damon maybe physically in this kind of mode before and having to like, you know, um, ugly himself up a little bit and be like a, you know, a pudgy slub or whatever. Like, you know, he kind of is in like the informant or whatever. How did you feel they kind of like slid into these particular roles within like, you know, a, a corporate setting? Oh, very well. I think, I think, um, I would have been a little more, um, not even skeptical with Damon, but I would have been curious about how it was going to work because, but, uh, but the Martian, like I remember when he was cast in the Martian, I was like, I, I read the Martian. I love that book. And I remember going, Oh no, Ridley Scott, like his movies are either pretty good or pretty bad. Like, Oh no. And then, Oh, Matt Damon, like, Oh, it's just a big movie star. Like I, I was thinking like, you know, he's a little bit of a, I need a, I wanted like a nerd or just like a, a more of an everyman. Like I, I had always thought of um, Josh Radner for that role. Not that that would have worked in the movie that we that that we got, but like much more of a like. No one would even pretend this is an action hero, but mm-hmm. nobody doubts that that uh, Matt Damon is a, is a good Mark Watney. He got nominated for that role, so he did a very good job there. I think I think Affleck, I was really um, sort of tickled by because he played up the like slight buffoonery of Phil Knight, of like, oh, I'm in charge, I'm I'm this wizened Buddhist, even though I'm. I'm kind of just as as like offbeat and and uh, clumsy as everyone else. Like he very much fits with the rest of his his work, his employees. Like you know, in the presentation, he's he's stumbling around with this. Like he's not this smooth like you know godlike figure. He is a human being. I, I I thought they did a very good job in playing up the the aspects of the character that make them interesting to play. Everyone in this movie is great. Like Viola Davis is great. Chris Messina is phenomenal. Like the every time that he and Matt Damon just get to like, like curse at each other, essentially, it's a highlight. It's hilarious. I think mm-hmm. Jason Bateman has like a weird emotional current in that movie. Like 
everyone gets to shine. And I was, I was, I don't know. It's, it's, it's why everyone gets very excited over this sort of movie and then gets so upset that they don't make enough of these anymore. Cause there's something about like just a, a movie where people get to act with each other. And like, it's not like the, to the rooftop, like, you know, my baby, it's the, <laughs> I'm playing a role and I get to play an interesting character and we get to go back and forth and we get to sort of verbally spar. It's, it's, sort of like uh like sorkinish yeah no yeah it has it has that feel multiple times there's like multiple you know walking talks through the nike headquarters but i i, I think it's interesting you mentioned the martian because the thought i had earlier was like you know everyone's mentioned because uh, understandably like i just did everyone's mentioned the informant in this because that's one of the first movies where ben affleck kind of or where matt damon kind of you know like made himself made himself uh, uh not as physically attractive as he otherwise could be any more belly right and he did that here and I, but it was like, but he wasn't, he wasn't like, you know, he didn't have the same demeanor he did in the informant. It was like a combination of that physical appearance, but something a little more like charming and comical in a way, kind of like the Martian where he's able to make jokes. And here he is like freaking hilarious in every scene where he's on the phone with Chris Messina. So I, I just thought it, it was a cool fusion of different things we'd seen him do before, but still kind of felt fresh at the same time. And I, I, I just think it was funny. Cause like, you know, we just saw them on screen a few years ago in the last tool, a movie, which, you know, just did not do anywhere near as well as it should have. I love that movie. But no, that movie was very good. And, it was and, my top. It was my top ten of twenty twenty one. But like that's, that's that that's that weird Ridley Scott thing where you go like this movie could be awful, and then you're, you're like oh wait this isn't one of the bad ones and you kind of get excited mm. because you never can tell. He doesn't do one on one off. He runs right. hot. He runs cold. Oh, it caught me. It caught me off guard in a great way. I, I my expectations were pretty tempered, and I I, I just had a great time with I think it. Everyone and, assumed like Gucci was going to be the one that like oh that's the awards player. Right. Well, I mean, Last Duel should have been the worst player, in my opinion. I mean, Gucci, I'm not. I had a little uh, bit of fun with, but not as much fun as I had with the Last Duel. You know, how's it good you stop being fun after like the first like 45 minutes, and then you're like, oh no, we're now in like a maybe bad movie. I'm not. I'm not going to disagree with you there, but like, it's just like Affleck was so it was so fun in Last Duel. You know? Oh no, he had the line like not the line of the year, truthfully, but like my favorite like just like fun line of the year. Welcome, take your pants off. Okay, well, he, he tells Adam Driver to take his pants off no less than three times in that movie. Oh, that's it. He gets more annoyed. That, like, <laughs> like, I told you, take your pants off and he's about to get annoyed. Right. So it, it, it's just, I mean, it's it's just a lot of fun that like he knows how to like, you know, come in as a supporting character in a true scenery, even if like, you know, he's had a, a long career as a leading man. He's like, he just kills it in these like small roles. You, and I, you said you listened to the, the Simmons podcast. Mm-hmm. I like their back and forth about like, Matt, how come you haven't been in more in more Affleck's of like directing movies? Like, Can't afford me. Yeah, well, yeah, you took that role for yourself, and like I was like, <laughs> oh, that's hey, okay. like you could tell that they were they were teasing each other over like, of course we know what we're we're up to, but like you know, I like when he was like, I can't afford Matt Damon in my movies usually, like. Right. Bill was like, why was why was Matt not the Jeremy Renner character in the town? It's like, do you really think they could have afforded Matt oh, yeah. Damon in 2012? And was like, yeah, why wasn't I? That was a good role. I wanted that. <laughs> no, no. That was the one where he said uh, it sucked, right, initially. The first draft of the script by someone else. Oh, that too, yeah. Terrible. And yeah, he yeah. passed. I think he probably passed him like the, the Affleck. Before Ben rewrote it. And like, yeah. The way he told it was like, they have the same agent or their friend. He's friends with his but he like, what's Matt? What's Ben up to? He's probably like shooting like um, a born movie so he was out of, out of the country he's like oh he's gonna make the town and he's like oh no you gotta stop him like that's gonna be terrible he's like, no no he has a take he's gonna <laughs> he's gonna adapt and, and the town like honestly i think is better than gone baby gone and gone baby gone is terrific yeah i i i, I love both of those i honestly <laughs> i honestly love both more than argo probably i yeah. I, I mean argo was my favorite movie of that year but i think I don't know. Yeah, like Argo's also just not on TV in the same way. Hmm. Like the town is on sometimes. Gone Baby Gone is on a bunch. And you do find yourself like clicking over and watching. I will say, this is not not a whole separate topic, but if anyone ever gets a chance to watch the extended cut of the town, hmm. it's very, very good. I feel like I I I mean it's been a it's been a few years since I've watched it. I don't know what version I did. Intro. I don't but think I, unless you saw unless you had the like specific, like I think extended cut Blu-ray. Oh, okay. Then no, you wouldn't. It, it, it's much longer. Like, there's a whole subplot of of like him, um, like having like a drug addiction at one point. Like, after she's like kind of broken up with him before the big like uh, like heist. Oh. Like he's going in like I don't remember if it was crack or something like that. We can tell like like getting into like sort of like the backstory more. It was good. Like I like the tight movie we saw, mm-hmm. but in terms of like, okay, they were all good cuts. But wow, you made an awesome like long movie too. There's a whole other appreciation for that. 
I wish that one. I, 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 I'm pretty sure Live by Night's like a half an hour longer than a town. I wish there was the opposite oh. way around. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's a, the, Live by Night's the only one that's not tight. Um, <laughs> you know, in the same way that like, uh, like Almost Famous, one of my all-time favorite films. Mm. And the, the extended cut, the untitled bootleg cut, that's like, I forget how long it is, but it's very long. And has that like scene where they, they just play Stairway to Heaven. <laughs> oh yeah, I've heard about that. I've never, like, I, I've never seen the extended version, but I've heard about the Fran McDormand uh, performance in that moment. Oh yeah, like the the entire like the extended cut is terrific, but you also understand that like, okay, this is a different vibe. You know the 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 tone of the movie, the the pacing of the movie. The pacing is so hard that when you get it right, it's almost a miracle. And that's the thing that I think Affleck does so well, give or take maybe Live by Night, but I still think that's a good movie. But like. The pacing of this movie, it's perfect. It's under two hours. Mm. Yeah, no, like, it's you know, it, it, there there was never a moment in this movie where I was just like bored or not having a great time. You know, yeah, there's never a scene that you're like, oh, this is like, why is this here? Everything is just like ruthlessly efficient. Mm. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, and I I think we both agree. Like both of them like gave great performance. Let me ask you, uh, Joey, last thing. Uh, you talked to Crispy Cena earlier today. We already mentioned him a little bit. Um, what, what did you like most about how they cast out the rest of this movie? Because like, yeah, I thought they were just like, it's really cool. Like, I mean, like, I, I, I you know, it's funny. As we were sitting here, I, 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 I was just, I still had Christmas Cena's Wikipedia up. He was in Rounders. I did not realize that, which, so it's like, he kind of oh, goes, he goes, he goes back with Damon too, I guess, um, you yeah. know. And and that was another funny thing on the Bill Simmons podcast. Like like he was he was like, how are you not in Rounders? Ben, you love gambling. Um, uh, but 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 like I mean, so he he goes way back with him. I, I was just like a, a stroke of genius. He fit that role of David Falk like a glove. But like I mean, there's a lot of other like the the cast got filled out really effectively in all the other corners. Uh, were there any other people we didn't already touch on that you just wanted to shout out for any performances you particularly enjoyed? I mean, the ones we mentioned are the highlights. But I think the thing is, everyone we mentioned gets a scene. Mm-hmm. And even if it's not a scene, like, gets a showcase. Like, Affleck is a very generous director of his cast. Like, there, you know, even even if you go back to some of the the other movies, like, you know, uh, go back to Gone Baby Gone, like, the scene in the bar where um, the Titus Welliver gets to, like, have his monologue about, you know, why. The, he has these scenes where he's got, like, yeah, like, like Falk, you know, the Chris Messina character. That could be a villain. And it's never presented as a villain. It's presented as a as a guy with a different. He's a foil more than a villain. Well, like he he perfectly even says at one point, like if this works out, we're best friends. If it doesn't, <laughs> yeah, I, I like that. We yeah. never work again. Like that is my job, and I am very good at my job. And does it make me a prick? Yes, I am well aware that I am not likable. I am well aware that people don't like me, but I'm well aware that like we're kind of friends in this way of like, <laughs> you know, as long as as long as you don't fuck me over, like we're buddies. <laughs> There's just there's room for that in a movie that's not lacking in pacing. So that's like it, it's it's very rare. So I, I I just I appreciate when I see that because you often see the opposite, and you go, why did you cast that person? And yeah. and they're, they're just not in it, you know. It's that stuff bugs me when you're just like you you could have either given someone who doesn't have a chance at these roles a role, or you could have like made it a better role, like. As a as a slight aside, um, I'm sure you have done or will do an episode on on Super Mario movie. Early on in the movie, I, I heard a voice that I thought was the comedian John Gabrus, and I got kind of excited, like, "Oh shit, Gabrus is in this movie! That's awesome!" And it turned out Sebastian Maniscalco, and like that just becomes like, "Oh, that you you thought of a big like New Yorky sounding comedian for this like very whatever role." Whereas you could have just given a leg up to someone who you would have been like, oh, maybe they get another job because of this. So hmm. in the same way that you appreciate when Air does it, I, I can sort of be annoyed when a movie just goes like, eh, we'll just cast for the for the name. That's that's what makes um, when Pixar is not doing that so special. Like, oh, you're just going to listen to this voice and that voice becomes the character. You know, if you're going to put an actor you recognize in a movie, you, you should let them do the thing you hired them for. Because presumably you like them from something else. Yeah, no, I, I, that's, my, that's my TED talk. No, yeah, no, I agree. Uh, I just, I before we get out, I, I do want to shout out Chris Tucker as Howard White, as Joey mentioned earlier. Like it was someone, uh, Michael Jordan, like you know, just like insisted on being a part of this movie, and it's like it's in like Joey mentioned, everyone gets a moment, and I, oh, in great I, that Chris Tucker's in this mm-hmm. as a dude who like doesn't have to work anymore, like. 
who has sort of made the decision of like, I don't need to just be in movies to be in movies. Like I made my money. My family's taken care of. I think he does like some real estate stuff. Like, like he invested his money. Like he's good. So it takes a like an auteur to get him to come out. Like he's not there's a reason there's no rush hour for. Well, didn't he make like I mean, like at a time when like, you know, the numbers that actors got paid weren't as big. I feel like I vaguely remember him at some point for one of the rush hour movies, like making thirty million dollars. You know, he, yeah, he he's, got, he's made his money. He held out properly, I think, at one point to do really well. Mm-hmm. And then I, I'm pretty sure like he he then like used it and was like, okay, now I'm going to like utilize my money and I'm going to uh like you know have a have a better life. I don't remember. I could be I could be uh, no, no, good, good good for him. Like I saw so I was thinking back when he popped up and I was like, I don't I have not seen him in anything since Silver Linings Playbook. And he the only thing he'd been in since then was Billy Lynn's have long halftime walk, which I actually never saw. Came out like uh, like right around the time I moved to moved down to where I currently live and I just it got lost in my shuffle. So it's like he like you said, he's very selective. He does he's family's taken care of, doesn't have to do anything he doesn't want to do. But you know, if like Ben Affleck is like, hey, there's a part that Michael Jordan insisted being a movie, like I Chris Tucker's probably gonna be like, all right, this piques my interest, you know. And I and I, I really enjoyed the it, again, his moments are brief and he has a few really good uh, conversations with Affleck, but then when he comes in at the big board pitch the board meeting. You know, I it's it's really cool how like you know he manages that moment in uh in his demeanor there to like you know appeal to the Jordan family because again I think Ben Affleck as you've probably picked up on in all the interviews you've listened to with him Joey like he's a very cognizant of the fact that he's like making a movie with like you know in a very like kind of in a white space with a lot of white actors and but was told like this guy's really important it means something to me to uh, by at least according to Michael Jordan to have him here and like it seems like I I really did actually feel as like brief as it was he walks into that last meeting. Like, but like clearly like has some kind of impact on the Jordan family in that moment, which, you know, there's some bump, there's some bumps along the road in the meeting after that, but like, it's clear like that guy was a key, like a key role in like how things ultimately went. Cause like they well, appreciated the fact he was in the room. It becomes a team effort. It becomes a, you know, here's our Nike team. And like, mm-hmm. you know, they talk about, I think it was the Adidas group of like everyone in that room is going to say they're in charge. And that means no one's in charge. Whereas in, in, in our meeting, you know, you know, Sonny, you you know Howard like or or have heard about like we're going to you know make it intimate and like Phil will show up and and like they said they haven't you know show up a couple minutes late so it seems like you're uh, you're really busy but you're taking time out like they they're putting on their game but they're doing it in such a lo-fi way that it allows them to feel special which is you know it, it, like everyone sort of plays a part you know uh, Strasser has the has the video that they were that they had set up like everyone had contributed something you know. Uh, the the shoe designer like literally innovates how you make a basketball shoe and the color that you make a basketball shoe like everybody gets to take credit for the win by the end mm. yeah no uh very well said it's i'm i'm i thought it was just like it, it, I, I was cool to utilize him i like that chris tucker has the ability to like show up and be interesting in movies yeah. like this as someone that like you know really appreciated what he did like you know shit at this point like 15 to 20 years ago now and what some of the stuff he did and those other in in in, in those in, in those movies that came out like just like in in, in what feels like a very different time um yeah. uh joey anything else that we didn't already touch on that you want to uh mention before we wrap up anything you got to say about uh your guy bruce springsteen he's actually i was about uh, to say prominently finished in this movie there's soundtrack a whole discussion is, about born to, uh, about about born in the usa <laughs> i one soundtrack is uh is just uh one of the a lot kids- of great need- a lot of great needle drops Oh yeah, like I love that they're they're all obvious ones, but they're done in a way that it's clear that he is like, yeah, I'm going to give you every obvious one because that's what was playing on the radio. It's not about like how clever my my soundtrack is. Because in a bad movie, you would be like, ugh, this is so obvious. It's like the three songs you hear in every Vietnam. But it's like 1984. Like you probably you, you, you can get away with having a Bruce Springsteen song, you know? Yeah. But I I love that uh, it's it's Bateman, right? Who's just like, you know, I listened to Born in the USA again. That's not a patriotic song. Like, like they're coming around to like these realizations about the world at the same time. Well, that, I think it's in that same scene, right, where he like acknowledges, like, yeah, we might have some stuff we do overseas that's not great, but you know, like I got some other things going on in my life that like mean a lot to me. Like, you know, it's yeah, like, like they're they're kind of acknowledging like the the reality of like, hey, it's not not everything is great in the world just because like you know, like everyone just thought things were great because of Ronald Reagan or whatever, you know? Yeah, they, 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 it, it is clear that the movie, that Affleck and everyone involved, Alex Convery, the, the writer, like everyone is sort of making sure you don't go like, oh, this is a, 
you know, pro Reagan, pro 80s, pro business like movie. No, it's set during those times. But I think a lot of people are taking that from it. And I really, I, I, I agree with you. I don't it's think that's really the movie's aim. Like, They're not like go corporations. I did not feel said, coming out of this like everyone's like you should be cheering for Nike. I did not leave the movie with that said, message. Like they, they clearly bring up the point of like I think we make our things in like third world countries. Like I don't yeah. like that's a problem for for later for us. But like I don't like that we do. Like they they give lip service because these are not the people who change those things. But you know, Affleck and everyone felt it was important to include like. Here's the bad stuff too, you know, like, Oh, by the way, for context, everyone was singing born in the USA as like this patriotic ditty. Ronald Reagan wanted it to be his reelection song. And Mm -hmm. Springsteen had to deny him because that is a protest song about the plight of the Vietnam veteran. Mm. So like it's there for a reason. Yeah, no, I, I, uh, I think they have the right perspective on that song. Again, yeah. so oh, it's just it's just very strange, you know. I I I I I I think I'm in agreement with you on my reading of the movie. It's just like there are other like critics I like and stuff that I've read that I generally like. Am like I, I get where they're coming from. That like think that just because they played Born in the USA over the opening credits, like that like maybe the filmmakers don't get what the song's about. I'm like I don't think that's the case, you know. So no, I'm pretty sure they know what they're doing. Yeah, for sure. Um, but uh, but again, I think I think I think we I think we've about well covered everything. I think Joey and I would obviously like recommend this movie to anyone that hasn't seen it. Oh, uh, I, I, yeah, I I, I, th- I think it's doing well enough in theaters. It'll still be hanging around by the time I post the episode. But like, it'll probably be on Amazon Prime fairly soon too. But like, you know, go go see it in theaters. Right. I it's it's it, it, it's tell you the answer to that question. What's that? Oh, you said it'll be on Amazon Prime. Uh, you said at a certain point. I said I can't tell you the answer to that question. Which means I know the answer, but can't tell you. All right. Well, I, I'm not not going to press we'll you to reveal any information you shouldn't reveal. But like, just people go see it in theaters. Like, you yes. know, uh, it, what Matt and Ben are trying to do by like, you know, uh, you know, is is very noble with this company, and I I think I think we should like you know support them in their first not their a, first not venture a with the movie. movie. Not a cheap movie. I mean, a ninety million dollar movie. So. Yeah, like, which, which, like, I, it's like, I, I am curious, like, we're, we're, what the breakdown of what they spent on what was, you know, they obviously money, you know, that money is the cast. That money is the soundtrack and that money is, is artist equity is like, we're going to put and make everything high quality. So everyone is properly compensated up front and also potentially compensated out back. Right. I didn't know. I didn't know if there was like a, like Matt and Ben, like, you know, and like the, who are the biggest names were in this were like taking any less on the front end because of that, uh, those back end goals, you know, but it's like, but that, that was, sure. that was a fairly big number too, for a budget, like what, like 80 or 90 million, 70 to 80. I'm sure Viola Davis is, is, uh, is getting her number. Yeah, so whatever, good for them. But like, let's let's make it worth them to make you know make make make, make more you. movies and keep this business uh, the, the, the yeah. door, their shingle. Hung, like, you know. I don't know the answer, but I bet you Jason Bateman makes a lot more money than you realize. For this one, particularly general, I'm sure his like number is high because think about it. He he has how many seasons of Ozark now, and he's won awards for it. I'm sure his number is higher than you realize. Yeah, you you would know better than me. Like you know maybe what how someone's quote is affected by uh, for a movie based on what they do in TV. But he is like a big deal now because Ozark is a big deal for sure. And I mean not that he wasn't a big deal before Ozark, but like that move that show is huge. You know, I mean he's been in he's been in movies that have made a lot of money. Like I'm sure he makes in the same way that like I don't think you ever think of necessarily like Ben Stiller is like oh we got Ben Stiller like right the movie is set. But I bet you Ben still would cost you a lot of money. Yeah, well, yeah, he doesn't act a ton anymore, though, either. But like, I, 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 hear yeah, you. I mean, he's scratching that directing itch. But then, so is Bateman. Yes, they're they're they 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 are they are both doing that very well. And just like my, my last thing is like I, I just want to shout out Bateman. Like again, like we mentioned a couple of those scenes, but like I think I think in the wrong hands, you might just be like, what the hell is this guy talking about? You know, yeah. Again, like I I think it works. Well, as both you and I agree on the scene where he's talking about like you know bring shoes to his daughter or whatever. But like man, like I, I think in the wrong hands, people just really laugh that scene off. And I think he sells it. You know, and like good for him for like as someone that is like we said, kind of a big deal. Like is probably make you like for whatever. Like we, I, I would hope that people were paid well here, regardless of what the movie makes on the back end. But like, I, I, he makes more money, I'm sure, for a season of Ozark than he does for this. And like, he could probably go do something else and make more money than he did with a supporting role in this. And he saw the value in it and was like, I'm gonna like, you know, I'm just gonna show up and like have some fun with Ben and Matt and like and like you know like knock this smaller role out of the park. And I appreciate that. So. Oh. 
Um, but yeah, I, I, again, people go see air, like support it. Uh, we, I, I don't think Joey and I would just say that even if we do like Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, we wouldn't say it unless the movie was like worth seeing and it's worth supporting. And we want them to keep producing movies of the silk. Uh, Joey, before we get out of here, I was going to ask you, as I usually do, anything else you'd recommend you've seen recently? You already said, like, I suspect you're doing an episode on Super Mario. I might. Did, did, would you recommend that people see Super Mario or anything else that's out right now? Cause I had not actually seen it yet. No one had told me they wanted to do a podcast on it, but it's a, such a, it made so much money that I'm like, all right. I kind of feel like I got it, but like, I mean, like that, talk about another movie people were kind of cynical about, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, I wasn't, I didn't love it. Um, it's mm-hmm. a kid. Movie. It's just, it's a kid's movie that happens to have Mario characters that, you know, no, it's, it's not really, I think it, it's on, well, as we're recording it, it, um, uh, rental today. So it's only in some theaters, but a good person is the other one I would recommend. The Zach Braff oh, movie. Okay. Yeah. Florence Pugh, right? Florence Pugh and Morgan Freeman. Hmm. It's a, right. it's a terrifically good movie. You can probably, I think you can rent it like right now. Ah, cool. Uh, good recommendation. I, I, yeah, I wasn't, I, I'd seen stuff about that. It just, it just didn't make it to uh, my theater. So it's good to know that that one would be one worth seeking out that is now uh, more readily available. Uh, yeah. Only other thing I would recommend, cause I've like, haven't watched a ton of other movies that I haven't already talked about in the podcast recently. I, I, I on, on Sunday, I watch uh, Rye Lane on Hulu. You know, if you're a rom-com person, uh, I saw that at, uh, at Sundance. I, I thought it was solid. I didn't. I wasn't as blown away as everyone, but I also um, was kind of checked out during Sundance for reasons we don't need to get into. Yeah, uh, fair enough. I would just say, like, I, um, I, I, I really, I, I really had a nice time with it. You know, I, I wouldn't say it's like you know, like a, a five-star rom-com for me, but like you know, for how many of them, for how many of them we get these days perfectly enjoyable there are some moments in it where i'm like ah maybe the filmmaking is like a bit much here like they're doing a lot you know, i really like the look of it the way it shoots london all that stuff uh, this thing maybe became like if, if it kind of felt like the way that like people like talk about like adam mckay movies sometimes it's like we need to throw one thing in here we need to throw another thing in here we need to throw another thing here and i'm like all right i i, I get it like yeah 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 okay 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 let's let's get back to the story but like i mean very charming performances very charming writing and just like decides like we're definitely shooting on location in london and doing it in a fun way and you could tell that like they they they, they had a really smart idea of what they wanted to like very specifically put on screen, even if it might feel a bit much at times. I had a very fun time with it. Uh, Joey, before we sign off, uh, where can people uh, find your stuff as we uh, kind of uh, dive into the heart of the movie here? At Awards Radar. There we go. And, Which is just my name. Yeah. Uh, yes, right. Uh, it's uh, Joey Madison, uh, M-A-G-I-D-S-O-N on uh, right uh, Twitter, Letterboxd, all those places if you want to follow Joey. Uh, as usual, I'm Josh Chernovoy, J-O-S-H-J-U-R-N-O-V-O-Y on both Twitter and Letterboxd. Podcast Twitter is at Real Movie Pod. Podcast email is realmoviepod at gmail.com. Coming up next, I think the next episode after this one is going to be the 300th episode of the podcast. And, uh, you know, just because we, uh, you know, we talk about it with such a wide range of things here, it may very well end up being like a double feature of uh, The Pope's Exorcist and Renfield, you know, because uh, yeah. we, we we cover everything here and that's just what's, that's just what's next in line. So, um, and, then, and, and, and then after that, uh, we'll have stuff on, uh, you know, uh, Bo is Afraid and, and, I don't know, Guardians of the Galaxy 3 or whatever's after that. So th- I want to uh, thank all of you for listening. Stay tuned for all that. Thanks again to Joey for joining me, and we'll see you next time.